You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for Final Cut, Michel Hazanavichos. Ah, tu veux jouer, c'est ça? Eh ben, t'inquiète, on va te trouver un rôle. Attends, mais, mais c'est quoi ce sang là? On dirait du vrai sang. Mais qu'est-ce que tu fais? Ah un film de zombies? Et, euh, et attends, alors, le truc, c'est que ça doit être un plan séquence. Un, un plan séquence? Euh... Plan séquence Quand on coupe pas la caméra, une demi-heure du début à la fin sans couper. First of all, uh, thank you so much, uh, Michel, for joining me here today to talk about your newest film, Final Cut, a film that I saw uh, at the Tribeca Film Festival most recently. But I got to tell you, the journey uh, for this film, debuting at Cannes two years ago, Supposedly a scheduled, uh, you know, uh, U.S. Inter- uh, premiere over at Sundance got pushed off. Um, just tell me, what has it been like for you just in terms of getting this film rolled out and finally allowing for uh, U.S. audiences to get a chance to see it? What, what has that been like for you? Well, it's, um, I, I was not in a hurry because actually it's a strange story about that movie. I was uh, working on an animation movie and then came uh, the COVID and the lockdown so all the distributors in the world where um, nobody had money to put in uh, and uh, so um, so we had to stop and then i jumped on this one and i made the movie in 11 months and uh all included so uh it was like and we did it just after the lockdown and uh so it was a very special energy we did the movie surprisingly we went to Cannes. i was a little bit surprised to go to Cannes with that movie, but it was really cool and and especially to open the festival because the first, the very first day, people are, are happy and relaxed and you're out of competition. So it's it was really uh, very cool, uh, nice screening. And um, but I was already working back on the animation movie till six months. And I'm still working on the animation movie now. So uh, my notion of the the time is a little bit strange. This for these two or three years. So uh, so it's okay. I mean, uh, and anyway, it's uh, I think it's a very nice movie and very fun to watch. And uh, so it's just about pleasure. And, uh, so I'm very glad to 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 screen it in in US now. Fantastic. Well. Obviously, if those that don't know, this is a French remake of the 27 Japanese film, One Cut of the Dead. So can you tell me just a little bit about the first time you saw that film and what gave you the inspiration to want to tell your version of that story? It's special because, uh, as I said, I was um, blocked with the, the... The financing of the animation movie, so we had to uh, delay and to, to push the, the the beginning of the production, and uh, so it was a, the very beginning of the lockdown, and I started to work. And, and since a while, I wanted to write a, a comedy about a shooting set. One day in a, on a shooting set, because I had so many so many stories of people acting so weirdly and and people with egos like huge egos and, and everything. And not, not only actors, believe me, it can come from uh, anyone. So I started to work on this and I spoke and I spoke for something very different with a producer, uh, Vincent Maravan, 
And uh, at the end of the, the discussion, he asked me, what are you working on? So I told him, well, the movies, we, we, we can finance the animation movie. So I'm working on this and this. And, uh, and I started to tell him the story I was working on and the shooting set. And, uh, and there was something with the one shot sequence. And, uh, and he, he, I could hear smiling on the phone and he said, listen, I just, I just bought uh, the, the rights of the remake of the Japanese movie and please watch it. So he sent me the link, and I didn't, I haven't heard about uh, the movie, and uh, it was very, very confidential. In fact, maybe two thousand people had seen the movie, and uh, so the very same night, I watched the movie uh, on on with my wife Bernice, and I thought it's great. It's a great idea. It's, uh, his structure is. Were much better than uh, than mine. It's clever. It's smarter, and uh, so I told Berenice, "I think I want to. I, I will do the remake." And she was like, "What? Really? <laughs> you going to do that remake of that movie?" And I said, "Yeah, it's going to be great." And uh, so I jumped on it, and we, as I said, we did it in eleven months. We they could find the money very easily because it was it's a cheap movie. I mean, cheaper in a way. It's not a it's not an expensive movie, so we could do it uh, quickly. So one of the roles that gets reprised in your version is the role of the producer played by Yoshiko uh, Takahara. Can you yeah. tell me a bit about bringing her on board and how did that come to be? Well, the, the, the premise of the, of the movie, the script, there's something a, bit, a little bit tricky. I mean... Um, I mean, you can believe it, but to do um, a live movie for a platform with zombies, there's something a little bit uh, tricky to, to, to make it believable. And with that actress, she's so incredible. She's, she has such a, a very strange energy, strange face. She, she's really... Uh, she comes from the fiction uh, area. She's a character. And my point is you can buy everything from her. Coming from her brain, it's everything is possible. Yeah. She can make that platform. She can decide to make a, a, live, uh, a live movie for, to, to, for the opening of the platform. And you, you buy everything. So it was very important for me to, uh, to ask her and to hire her. And she was so happy because she has a strange story. You know, she, she was not an actress. I mean, you know her story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, she was so happy to travel and to come to Paris and to, to work with us. And, and she's such a nice person. And we really uh, enjoyed uh, working together. That's fantastic. I love hearing that. Um, I do want to talk to you a bit about so many shots in this movie are extended takes where there's a frantic sense of urgency to the filmmaking to capture everything as realistically as humanly possible. Can you just tell me a little bit about what goes into the planning of those long extended takes? And do you allow for there to be spontaneity in those elaborate shots still? Because that is ultimately what you're kind of trying to depict right is the the chaos and what could be considered a happy accident if you will 
Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon. Uh, yeah, but we can't, you, you, you don't want to create chaos to reboot. <laughs> I mean, we, we organized it very, very precisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, also because uh, it's not only actors and one invisible uh, camera shooting it. I mean, uh, I have an entire crew, people with uh, uh, fake blood, people with uh, light, people with uh, uh, microphones, and uh, we, we, there's uh, uh, people with uh, the, the mannequin and the, for the decapitation of the, I mean, they, we, we have a lot of uh, people, so everything had to be really, really um, organized and planned, and uh, no, we rehearsed for five weeks to- Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, the first shot. And um, and we shot it uh, four days, and uh, and we had a good one the fourth day, so everything was uh, perfectly planned in a way, <laughs> and uh, I mean it worked. And um, no, you you don't want. And actually, one of the actors he he really insisted to to he wanted to create some surprises. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the the guy. Um, was the diarrhea, you know, the... Yep, yep. And he was talking with uh, Bernice, and she's my wife, so she knows how uh, I work and how I work. We work very hard for this. And uh, and he was saying to her, no, I, you know what, for this one, I'm the, gonna do something. And she was like, no, 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 no. Don't do anything. Uh, so if someone goes in the uh, wrong direction, I mean, the camera has to follow and all the crew has to. I mean, it was really a, a huge choreography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that Robin Duras is one of the best actors working today, not just in France, but everywhere. I, I, I will tell you. <laughs> 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 I don't worry. I'm gonna get to your. I'm gonna get to your wife in a second here. But I do want to ask what it was like working with him, because I'm curious to know. Um, just he's essentially having to play a director. You're you're a director. What does that direction <laughs> to him sound like coming from you? Um, you know, I I could see him spying me, and uh, also because. He's doing a director who's hired to make a, a remake of a Japanese movie. His wife was played by Bernice, with my wife uh, in the real life. And also my daughter was playing his daughter in, in the movie. So yep. obviously I knew that he was looking at me. 
the movie is not a, a self-portrait, not at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, I, I knew that, for example, if I was doing uh, a gesture like this, he would redo it uh, just to, to, not to imitate, but to try to keep the, the flavor of uh, he isn't he's really the nicest person you, you can imagine. He, he's very quiet. He's listening. He's like a cat, actually. He's really like a cat. He's very discreet. He's, he controls what he has to do. He's very independent. And, you know, for here we rehearsed for five weeks, as I said, and it was really, really cold in that mm -hmm. building where we were. And uh, the seven actors that were in the in the shot, they all came for the uh, five weeks from 10 uh, a.m. to 6 p.m. and uh, and Romain was here. Ben is Sometimes they were just rehearsing for five minutes because they were not in the sequence, so they would wait. And nobody was nervous. Nobody said anything. Never. And uh, I, and I think it's really thanks to him and Berenice because they were maybe the most not famous but um, experimented actors, and they were so quiet and so um, available that everybody was uh, like so really. Uh, they, they've been both of it, Berenice and Roma were really great, and uh, it's really a pleasure to work with. Uh, from OSS uh, 117 to most famously the artist uh, working with your wife Berenice uh, here again as well with Final Cut tell me what is it about working with her that helps to push you as an artist first of all she's a very good actress and of course yeah no she, she's really a very good actress but you know I think Cinema is a little bit um, not misogynic, but uh, sometimes uh, like a, a man and, mm -hmm. and character. It's changing now, but the the woman character, um, usually the producer and even the, the, the directors, uh, we put the, the actresses in a, in a small box. And you say, okay, she's doing this and she's doing this. And I, I really have a great pleasure to, not to reinvent, to reinvent, but to, um, to explore new territories and new characters uh, uh, with her. And, uh, and it's very challenging and it's very, I, I have to say, I'm not a, I don't really write uh, huge uh, female characters. I don't know why it's more about uh, male characters. It's it's like that, and uh, I'm not proud of it, but it's like that. And um, but for her, I am very happy to find some very different things and to uh, uh, yeah to seeking or, or it's uh, it's fun. You know, it's it's a game, so uh, yeah, it's fun to do. And and also on set, I mean, she she's really perfect. I. Really, uh, I mean, every director should work with her. I mean, she's she, yeah, she's the best friend of the movie. She's very uh, enthusiastic. She helps for everything, and uh, she's great. No, yeah, she's phenomenal. And you know, 
I want to just thank you very much because I feel that your connection with her and how you uh, also are able to establish a, a feeling amongst your crew and cast on set translates in this film's very emotional climax. Uh, I really got this cathartic sense of unity of shared vision just finally like all coming together amongst all the noise and all the hard work and struggle and it left me feeling really really good when the film was over so if that's what you feel at the end of each project working with your wife and your family i i just want to let you know that that successfully translated over to us the audience in this film so mm -hmm. great job with that it was a really really entertaining fun experience and uh Michelle, I, I, I can't thank you enough for the time here. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for Final Cut, Michelle Hazanavichus. Final Cut will be released in theaters on July 14th from Kino Lorbor. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.